The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out on the favorite places to get podcasts later on in the week. Nonetheless, we definitely enjoy you hanging out with us during this MLB All-Star Week, which, of course, is what we're going to be talking about today, which DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we are we have a bit of a fun show today. We're obviously going to touch All-Star. We're going to go on some rants. we got some rankings, but of the unorthodox kind, and a little bit of recap, so... The, we we're doing what we do best at this point. We're sticking we're sticking to the to the guns. Look, hey, it got us to this point. Might as well just keep going. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Maybe if it is broke, maybe don't fix it still because we're both too lazy. I don't know. I don't know what the what the answer is here. But I enjoy doing what we do. It's uh, you know ranch recaps and rankings. I'm gonna get a little bit of everything in here. Maybe uh, it might not be me with a rant for this for the first time ever. So that's gonna be interesting. Well, let's um, not get hasty now. You might find something to rant about. Like let's not yeah. let's not get out of control now. Let's not walk before we run. That's fair. I mean, I always can find or something to rant about when it comes to sports. So it's it's just a matter of time. Uh, if you give me, give me give me too much time, I'll figure out something. Well, you know, we're, speaking of time, we're not going to waste any more time here on this opening monologue. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the tip off. The tip off, of course, brought to you by SeatGeek. Use code BellyUpSports for twenty dollars off your first order. Go and get yourself some nice tickets for whatever sporting event or concert or whatever event you want to go to. Once again, BellyUpSports for twenty dollars off your first order. Might be breaking that in myself here soon. And we talked about MLB All Star Week. We're going to dive right into it. We're going to start with arguably the festivity of all festivities when it comes to All-Star Weeks. We're going to talk about the home run derby to start with. And holy moly, what an explosive first round that kind of slowed down a little bit at the end. But holy moly, what an event we had as well. We Once again, Vlad Guerrero Jr. taking the home, the crown as well, following in the dad's footsteps, I think almost 20 years now. I think it's 16 years later, 15 years later. So yeah. qu- quite the accomplishment there as well, too. And we talked about it during it. His swing is either a home run or he's missing the ball completely. So you knew when he started making contact, once the pitches were falling where they were landing, he was going to knock him out of the park. The one I want to look at, though, is Julio Rodriguez does it again in the first round. 40-plus in that first round, which last year he obviously had the second most through, I think it was three rounds, just to Vlad Guerrero Jr. with like 84, I think it was. This year he was well on pace to do that, but kind of came up, kind of slowed down. Like the steam came out and it looked like maybe either he wore down or just wasn't quite getting underneath the ball, but... When I looked at this home run derby, I was from start to finish, I was all locked in. And this is still my favorite all-star event across all sports. Yeah. I I mean, I don't think there's a doubt. This is one of the most exciting events. Uh, This has been really the one of the most exciting uh, home run derbies. I'd even say in in quite a, I won't say quite a while, but at least from start to finish, there's been a lot of times lately where we got like eight home runs at the very end. And you're just like, really guys, this one was like, actually, I mean, quite literally Randy Rosarena doesn't carry up the, uh, the, the, the cowboy boots there at the end, and he probably ends up winning this home run derby. Uh, those those cowboy boots probably weighed a little too much um, to be uh, to be to be toting those things up there and carrying them on his shoulder as long as he did. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it was a fun 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 event. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people didn't know what was happening with the rules, but that's okay because it still makes a fun spectacle. And and really, it's been something that we've been missing in a lot of sports lately is is a fun spectacle from top to bottom. Uh, but I gotta look. Hey, I got I gotta go straight to Adley Rutschman. I apologize, Adley. I I did you dirty. I said you were going to have the lowest amount of home runs. I said you'd get less than Mookie Betts. My bad. I, uh, and, and, you know, just a son on me, you actually went out there and hit home runs from the right side as well, not just the left. So, um, yeah, good on you. Unfortunately, you went up against that dude uh, in the first round who just said, no, uh, you stop it, young buck. Um, but, look, as I said this while we are watching the Derby. I think Adley Rutschman is going to be one that, for a home run derby-wise, Going forward in the next few years, it's going to be a fun guy to watch. Absolutely. And his translates very well, both at the All-Star Home Run Derby as well as in Game 2, helping turn around that Orioles team now that's actually a true playoff contender as well. And honestly, if he didn't have to deal with Luis Robert Jr. or Julio Rodriguez, he probably gets on in the next round. Unfortunately, those were the two in the first round who put on an absolute clinic. And you talked about Randy Rosarina. Talk about uh, flipping the switch almost until the very end there as well. Like those middle rounds, holy moly, did he put on a clinic after we talked about in our predictions. I had him as like a dark horse. I don't know if I'd put money on, but I really like it. He almost made me wish I would put money down on him as well. He had quite that middle middle ground. And honestly, if he didn't just, it's like he ran out of steam or the balls just weren't quite getting under, he wasn't quite getting underneath the ball in that final round quite as much as he'd like. But he was, he looked like he was about to go on a tear. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. They said right before that final round that he asked his, his pitcher to throw a little softer. 
And I almost wonder if maybe if he was throwing just a little bit spicier on some of these, if he had been able to get those ones that fell right at the warning track just over. Because they talk about, obviously, turning around the pitcher's power to use it in your favor as a hitter. That does come into play with these slower pitches as well, especially more so with these slower pitches that are going 40, 50 miles per hour instead of 90 to 100. you got to get a little extra help from that uh, that pitcher sometimes. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to watch, uh, fun to watch, to, 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 you know, all around. I I gotta say this. I love the. I love the. the you know the home run derby, but it, you know I, I will ask that one day MLB adopt the rules of the uh, Nippon Baseball League and bring in the bunting competition. Ooh, right, ladies and gentlemen. If you've never seen it, there's a bunting competition in the Japanese Baseball League. It is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. They have targets on the ground, and you get points for how close you can actually get the ball to stop inside the targets. It's one of the most fantastic All Star events I've ever seen. Um, and I highly recommend you go YouTube it if you've never seen it before. But wait until after after this episode to go check it out. You know, you know what I'm gonna have to that that'd be fun. That'd be fun as well. You go from I hope want them to do it right after the home run derby. So you go from absolute bombs to just little short mini. I, I think that could be the perfect break for the guys that make it to the finals of the All Star Derby or for the Derby. Like if you make it to the finals, then all of a sudden in between there's a bunting competition, mm-hmm. and then then you go and hit hit bombs. Like it'd be the perfect like in, in between event, and also. And they'll be, you want to capitalize on money? Guess what? You get to capitalize on more advertisement. You get to capitalize on more stadium sales. You get to capitalize on more time to talk about your favorite players and bring them into social media aspects during the All-Star game. It's just all-around win for everybody, fans, moneymakers, you name it. You know what? I think they have a plan, so feel free to send us the courtesy check, MLB. Yeah, don't worry. You can send it right through. Not a bad idea, but... Speaking of the All-Star Game weekend, though, we'd be remiss not to talk about the All-Star Game in itself. And for the first time in 11 years, the NL is finally able to call themselves All-Star Game champions. Since 2012, I believe the AL has won each individual one, which is absolutely insane. And on, and on top of it, too, Elias Diaz, a first-time All-Star, uh, looks like he get, got, went ahead and got that go-ahead run late as well. And it's been a rough season for the Rockies, but... uh. Hey, at least you at least you had the at least you had the All Star Game MVP going for you. So I mean, it may have been maybe a terrible season, but at least you got a nice Ferrari in the broken down garage. Yeah, this is the definition of a Ferrari in a in a beat up house. Like this is tough. Uh, you know, look, um, shout out to to him for 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 the the game winning hit for the NL. But as a guy that's a fan of an NL team primarily, I, I'm okay with this. But I got to say, as far as the meaningless games go in the world, I honestly didn't care about this game after the fifth inning. I was like, cool. All right. I've seen what I want to see. I'm good to go. But I will say, like, it was still exciting to watch. It was just wasn't a desirable, like, I have to sit here and watch it. Like I do for a lot of other baseball games, or even for the Derby. I think for the Derby, I'm always, like, I'm tuned in. Going out and letting my dog out in between the final, like, in between rounds was, like, that was the most stressful thing because you didn't want to miss any part of the final round. So, you know, it's, it's, it, whereas like in, in the game, it's like, oh, I can miss an inning, especially with the new pitch clock. It's like, I really did miss, miss a couple innings just by walking out of the, out of the living room. So, um, that is tough, but yeah, no, I, I will say, I mean, it's still fun. Um, you know, I, I do love the all-star game, do love baseball's all-star game. So yeah, it was a fun event. Just congratulations to the NL for finally getting one, uh, back, but, uh, we'll see if they can, they can, they can steal some momentum because this is the last, 20 some odd years it's been they get one win and then the al goes on another streak absolutely you know they they turn it around we'll see for how long and i think i'm gonna take a little bit of the opposite approach here because i'm gonna speak now i think mlb all-star is the best and it's not even close when it happens i know i'm gonna see sparks fly nba all-star for example is neat but you might as well just put a blank space on the scoreboard until the last few minutes since nobody really tries throughout most of that game multiple players end up with 22 in a quarter then, as we learned, too, with Ky- Kyrie and Kevin Durant many years ago, they kind of be scheming behind the scenes during that. Like, no, you leave your team. Let's join up. You belong with me. We're, at, we're not out of the woods yet because we still got the Pro Bowl to talk about. And I get why this stinks. It's karma for all the ish the NFL has done. Let's players get away with, et cetera, et cetera, which we all know about all too well, for better and for worse. In my wildest dreams, I didn't think we'd get to the point of what we saw last year, but perhaps I'm the foolish one for thinking that. The only way we can fix it is if some players in the in the NFL Pro Bowl, they got to act like Sean Taylor and go on some vigilante shit and make it a real slobber knocker. They'd be the anti-hero that we need, but the players absolutely hate. I th- that's the only way that I think they can fix the Pro Bowl. I know I sound and feel a little bit heated and should probably just shake it off, but it's disappointing that the other All-Star games are just 
it feels like as a whole, even the festivities, the game stuff, they just feel so much worse. Then the MLB one shows up and it just hits different. But I don't know. We have a better chance of seeing snow on the beach than any of this happening. So I will digress. But that's just my little rant on why I think MLB All-Star is the best. And it's really not even close. Well, I mean, we have seen snow on the beach, uh, Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. That's um, not a real beach. I'm talking like a Florida, Carolina, <laughs> like a beach that people go to, not just off the lakes. I'm talking ocean beach. I, I couldn't stop myself. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> we've seen uh, we've seen uh, snow in the uh, uh, off of uh, Atlantic City. So that's the thing. Yeah, that's where that's where that's where those Yankees fans go to, to go to go swimming in there in summer. Uh, but no, no, I get your point. I, I do get I do get your point behind the all star games, especially the NBA one. You know, you're exactly right. It is kind of a, one of those more boring situations for three quarters. But you got to say with the new rules, the fourth quarter does make things a little more exciting now. Uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, the Pro Bowl is still the garbage of all garbage games. Just give it up at this point in time. Um, I think if you're going to rank them, though, I, I still stand by this. I think the MLS All-Star Game itself is the best one, followed by the MLB All-Star Game, followed by, in a much lower ranking there down there, way down there, you got the NHL, then NBA, and then the Pro Bowl. But there's like a good 30, 40 feet of dirt in between those guys and the MLB All-Star Game, for sure. I will say if you could just take like those last five minutes of the NBA All-Star game and make that a whole game, it would have because they got some style in there when they do it as well, too. It almost there are some of those times where you like I remember Kobe and LeBron almost a decade ago. I'm not saying there's bad blood, but it gets it gets really competitive. There's a little bit of heat in there on occasion as well. It gets a little bit red out there. So maybe if we can, you know, make that happen for an entire game, that'd be different. But I digress. I still I would stick with MLB, but I think MLS makes a good case. But those other ones, they they got they got some work to do for sure. And Speaking of MLB All-Star, if you haven't checked it out yet, go and head over to our YouTube page after this episode, of course, and check out our most recent episode of Tier Tuesdays, where we went in and actually tiered off every MLB team at the All-Star break, where they stand, where they're going to go, and kind of just what we think about them, too. There's some surprises, I'd say, some World Series contenders that you'd expect, and some teams in the cellar that maybe you wouldn't fully expect, but you kind of expect, but you know they deserve to be there. So definitely go check that out after this episode, or check out our socials and see the graphic for it as well, too. And I think you know, I think we hit the nail on the head with this one. Some of our tiers, you can make some questions, but I think this might be our best one. When we're getting comments saying, sorry, that's accurate. Like that's <laughs> one of the comments that just came through on it. It pops up. And yeah, I think, uh, I think this one might be one of our better tiers we've done so far, as far as accuracy goes, still kind of comedic, but, but, <laughs> but accuracy, uh, definitely for sure. Uh, by, by the way, we, we tried to keep the bias out of this one. I personally uh, turned away from picking the giants. So that was, a step in the right direction for my non-biasy in the world. Absolutely as well too, but that is going to go ahead and do it for the tip off. And that is now going to take us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. And that is the main event. And for the main event, we wanted to do something a little bit different for this one. We, so we decided that we're going to go into a ranking, but we're not just going to do any ranking. We're going to rank our top five favorite athletes of all time. We're going to go from five to one. Kelsey, I'm going to go ahead and let you lead the way. Tell us who you got at number five and lead us all the way to number one. Oh, this is always tough for me because I've loved so many different people for so many different reasons. <laughs> um, but starting out at number five, I'm going to go with Big Sexy himself. And yes, I quite literally am choosing him because of his nickname, Bartolo Colon. Oh. Uh, Bartolo Colon, one of my favorite players to ever watch play the game because truthfully, as a kid, I was the big kid out there on the field doing things that you shouldn't be doing as a larger kid being the guy that's pitching and surprising everybody and what I was doing. And lo and behold, I could turn my TV on and guess who I saw Bartolo, big, sexy cologne doing the exact same things. And I was like, man, this dude, this dude is fun. Uh, I got to watch him play in person many times in Atlanta when he came, when he come down and play the, play the Braves. So that was always exciting. I mean, I made it a personal uh, mission one season to try to catch every single game he pitched in Atlanta, um, which was three. I successfully did that. And successfully celebrated every single time. Even splurged that that season to go see him behind and sit behind the plate um, when he came up to bat. And I was actually like three rows away, and it was fantastic, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, Bartolo Colon, top top five favorite player, sitting at number five for me. Let me ask you: If he didn't have that nickname, would he still be number five? Probably not. No. Okay. No. Just want to make. I was curious because that, that had to play a big role in it. I felt like. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I mean, like, it, look, I, you could have. I could have probably picked a giant at any point in time. I could have probably picked Pablo Sandoval as a big guy. You know, Kung Fu Panda. 
But I feel like Bartolo Colon was just that dude that just he started earlier than Panda, and, and also he, you know, he really did embody like what I did as a as a pitcher as well. Um, very similar in my, the way I, I I approach the game, and that's why you know I was I always enjoyed watching him play. You know that's fair. That, I can that, still hit better than Bartolo though. If at the end of the day I can still hit better than Bartolo, one hundred percent. So that number Barely, five, though. number five, starting off with an interesting one for sure. So I'm I'm just curious to see where this is going to go. So go ahead and take it away. Who's number four? All right, so number four, I'm going with the cussing goalkeeper himself, and that is Tim Howard. If you guys don't know, he does uh, the he, he does end up cussing a lot during games. Um, it's actually really entertaining. He uh, ends up cussing out his his defenders a lot. Um, he does actually suffer from medical conditions, why he cusses uh, Tourette's. But he has he has talked many times about how it actually helps keep him focused in the game when his Tourette's will go uh, go out of control during the game. So uh, very interesting to see that he was able to overcome something like that, and that was something that I watched and. Not only was he a great goalkeeper, but everything he goes through off the field, and then now even watching him as a management, you know, guy for for uh, USL teams in, in Nashville, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I enjoy watching Tim Howard, and again, this is a guy who never played for my favorite team except for the U.S. Men's National Team, but never played for Liverpool. He played actually for Everton for a long time, so I watched him every opposite in the dar- derbies between Liverpool and Everton, and I'm like, man, and just one of these days, Tim, I'm getting Liverpool's going to beat you, and obviously they did end up beating him more often than not, but still. Tim Howard was one of those guys you just end up rooting for as a not just a USA fan, but as a soccer fan in general. And um, you know, knowing what he's overcome to play one of the world's greatest games was was part of it. But just a fantastic athlete all around, as, and what, definitely one of my favorite athletes of all time. I still remember. I think it was one of the World Cups. I can't remember if it was 2014 where he had like 21 saves or something absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Set the record of uh, set the record yeah. for saves. Became the Secretary of uh, of Defense uh, that game is what the nickname they gave him. Um, and then he yeah, followed up with a fantastic and... performance as well, too. But unfortunately, that game they lost in the follow-up because, I mean, even the Secretary of Defense can't do anything if he can't score. So, Yeah, I mean, you can only do so much. It was Belgium. You did what you could. Um, you, you did your best to, to do it. But you know what? At the end of the day, he'll fall down as, as, one, of my, as, as my, one of my top five favorite athletes. And I'm probably not the only one either. I mean, there's probably many USA fans that are big fans of uh, what Tim Howard was able to do consider me one of them too i still that that game alone i had only heard about him a little bit saw that game i was like that's the guy that that's the, the it's like landon donovan back even before that it's like you watch me like okay that's the dude but tim howard even more so so yeah i mean like so don't get me wrong like from attacking players i probably could have gone landon donovan but as a kid who played goalkeeper why would i not choose the greatest goalkeeper of not just the generation for the usa team but i mean just all around probably the best player the usa had, had ever seen mm-hmm. Especially, and I say that with all the salt. I don't care if people say Landon Donovan was better. Disrespect Tim Howard like that. We will not be accepting any disrespect to Howard right now. So now we're number four, number three. Where are we looking at? All right. So number three, I'm going with a classic here. Uh, I'm going Nolan Ryan again, power pitcher, but he had a little spice to him. Uh, If you guys don't know, don't ever crowd the plate against Nolan Ryan. It is a wide known fact. If you do, you will get a baseball thrown at your chin. And you're lucky if it stops at the chin once. Uh, he, he will do it again if you step back into the plate. He does not mind blocking somebody to get them off of his plate and send a message. And let's not forget, he has one of the best fight montages I've ever seen out of a pitcher. Also, more no-hitters after the age of 40 than any other player of all time. More no-hitters after the age of 35 than any player of no time. And more no-hitters than at, at the age of 30 than any player of all time. Uh, so, yeah, pretty fantastic stat line for Nolan Ryan. Um, you know, obviously one of the greats all time, but growing up as a pitcher, wanting to be a power pitcher like that, I could never have the same speed, but I still tried to pitch the same way, same mentality. And, uh, yeah, Nolan Ryan was always one of those guys. Got to meet him at a baseball camp at a young age and uh, definitely stuck with me ever since. It's easier to make a list of things that he can't do as opposed to things that he can do because the list of things that he can do is way too damn long and we don't have nearly enough episode to do that. So it's easier to make a list of things he can't do. An absolutely phenomenal play. Absolutely. That, that's, that's the truth. Um, number two. Number two, I'm going with the safety turn linebacker, uh, Brian Erlacher. Ooh, okay. So uh, nice. if you guys don't know his story, he's, uh, he's one of those guys too, too big to, to stay as a safety in the NFL. Not only revolutionize himself, to play linebacker, but became one of the best linebackers of a generation. And you can honestly say might have revolutionized the middle linebacker position for what it became now in a mix of coverage and blitzing abilities. But mostly now you you have him in man coverage over running backs, one of the few guys to ever 
be able to pull that off at the time. And yeah, one of the greatest ever played. Bears fans will go down in history saying he might be the greatest of all time linebacker. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but you know what? He was still one of my favorite players to to, to ever watch play the game. So uh, yeah, Brian Erlacher definitely goes on this list. I was going to joke and I'm surprised it's not a cowboy on this list, but when it comes to Brian Urlacher, he actually was almost a cowboy really. So I guess that still counts in one way, but he was his own cowboy. He was just the, he was the lone cowboy in the middle of the field. That's, that's kind of how I looked at it. Revolutionized that cover two defense too. is with a linebacker that can truly get into that deep third for that quote unquote, Tampa two slash inverted cover three. Like he was one that could truly get back and run the seam. So he, you mentioned he transformed, he really transformed things. That's a wonderful player. I think anyone who watched him was like, yeah, he's, he's different. And, him and Lance Briggs carried that Bears team to a Super Bowl because it was definitely not that offense. No, not hmm. at all. Um, all right, so number one. Number one is going to be uh, heading to the card court. I could say Michael Jordan. could say LeBron. could say all these guys, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say a European sharpshooter in war number 16, uh, one of my favorite numbers to wear during the during the younger days. Uh, that is Peja Stoyakovich. So, yeah, Peja uh, look, I, one of the one of my favorite players of all time. Obviously, as a Kings fan, that doesn't it would make sense uh, that I would have some sort of Kings player on this list. You'd think, but yeah, Pesos Stoyakovich, my favorite King of all time, um, easily one of my favorite three point shooters of all time as well. And just his ability to knock down the three at the time at a, at a time where a three and D wasn't really a thing. Let's be honest, he was, that was a myth, a legend. You're just kind of like, all right, he's a wing defender is what a lot of people thought. That's the Bruce Bowen style. And then Paige is out here giving you a 20 from the three-point line, night in and night out. Uh, so that was absolutely fun. So much fun to watch Paige play. Um, grew up just idolizing his game. Wished I could shoot the three that to that level when I was playing. Never could. Never had that ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, always was put down low. Uh, I was more of the uh, the the guy that, that gets, you know, yelled at for trying to play mm-hmm. on the three-point line uh, instead of down low, uh, Cat. I was but, say, um, so you were Carl Anthony Sounds. That's why you have that's, the source. That's now. why I have such a, that's exactly why I yell at cats so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's, so that's my top five. So going from the top, the, the, the back from five down to one, uh, Bartolo Colon, number five, Tim Howard, number four, Nolan Ryan, number three, Ryan Erlacher, number two, and Pesha Stoyakovich, number one, and an honorable mention to one, only Tory Hunter, who, by the way, signed his contract with the Angels at a Del Taco. A Del Taco I ate at regularly in in uh, Auburn, California. So what you're saying is, if Bartolo Colon didn't have the name Big Sexy, Toy Hunter's making that list. Uh yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I got to meet I got to meet Toy Hunter at a baseball camp in Utah, uh, and that was a lot of cool. He was on a rehab assignment with the Salt Lake Buzz at the time. Uh, they were the Buzz at the time as well. Um, now they're the Salt Lake Bees, the AAA team for the Angels, and uh, well, at the time he was the AAA team for the Twins. So this is really old old time. I'm kind of dating myself here. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. Got to see him play. Um, got to get caught by him. You know, just simple things: how to hold a bat, how he how he approaches his his, his at bats, things like that. So a lot of fun um, to ever get to meet him. He was one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And then hearing the story about him signing his contract at the Del Taco was hmm. that's just the piece de resistance for me. That's that's such a fantastic story. Um, also, one of the better All Star game. We talked about the All Star game earlier. Also, one of the better All Star game memories of all time, uh, which is him robbing uh, Barry Bonds in. Uh, it, Barry Bonds in um, Milwaukee uh, during the All-Star game, and then Barry Bonds putting him on his shoulder uh, as they ran off the field. I like it. You know, that, that, that's interesting. I did notice no Cowboys on your list, surprisingly enough. Is that a coincidence, or is that just because you secretly hate the Cowboys? Look, the, I've only known the Cowboys as losers mm-hmm. my entire life. Uh, there were Cowboys. There were some Cowboys, obviously some offensive linemen that I could put up here, Travis Frederick. Um, obviously being one of them. I'd love to put Quentin Nelson on this list. I know he's not a cowboy, but you know, speaking mm-hmm. of offensive linemen, I'd love to put them on the list. Quinn Miners, obviously, for similar reasons to Bartolo Colon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I just like, I'm not in love with them enough. Like, I didn't really enjoy, I don't know, maybe at this point in time, I'm not, I'm too old. Like, like these are all guys that I started watching younger and they have that kind of tie to me. You know what? That's fair. And I think that's kind of a common theme with a lot of the lists we have is there guys that we saw when we were younger and still carry true to this day as well. So, you know, that that's quite the list I like. And Peja Storyakovich was not on my bingo card for the top of your list. So a pleasant surprise. I like it. So going to say love my yeah. European sharpshooters. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, and I fair. still I, yeah, I'm still the guy that makes fun of cat the most for not for not playing down low. Good irony thing. is not the irony is not lost on here or that anyone tuning in for sure. But 
Next, we're gonna, I'm going to go and run through my top five. And for number five, we're actually going to start on the soccer pitch. We're going to go with Ronaldinho Guacho, the old Brazilian striker from before a lot of people were born that are probably listening to this from way back in the day as well. This was like mid-2000s, if I'm not mistaken, early 2000s. Like, it's been a while. But I remember watching him when I was younger, watching those World Cups, watching the international ones when they'd be on ESPN. Like, it'd be a summertime Games are kicking and I'm just, I'm at home because there's no school. I'm just turning on ESPN just because just watching whatever's there. The only way I could describe this guy was he was a magician. When he had the ball, when he was dribbling the ball, the amount of moves, he, his feet were faster than Gregory Hines when he tap danced. It felt like the way he could move around the ball, the way he could dribble, twist people's ankles. He, he had Allen Iverson's crossover on the, on the soccer field. He was so electric, so fast, so good with his feet. It's, it was really an art form too. He would literally take on the entire defense by himself, not passing it ahead, not playing smart soccer. He'd be like, nah, I got this. It was, it was a spectacle to watch. He made every, he made the simple plays just look absolutely spectacular. I remember him doing a half spin and shaking a guy's ankles and scoring a goal. He did the Dwight Freeney half spin. Like he was going to rush the passer and then toasted a guy and managed to get through the defense and, and to get a shot on goal. So for me, I'm looking at Ronaldinho. I can only classify him as a wizard. And not not the wizards like the ones in DC. I'm talking about like an actual wizard like Gandalf when he had the ball in his hands or on his feet, I should say. I love that selection being on the list. Um, I mean, as a soccer fan myself, you know, I, I'm obviously a huge Ronaldinho fan. Grew up watching him, uh, the Messi before Messi, if you will. And by the way, he's only 43, so not that old. Not at all. Like it's surprising because so. he was so good, so young. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about a kid, a guy who's been on the national stage since he was 16 or international stage, I should say, since he was 16. Um, him and Ronaldo, best two best Brazilian uh, duos up front. Uh, if you could say up front, I, I don't know. It kind of depends on your classification of Ronaldinho early on, whether he was a midfielder or a striker. But truthfully, he's a secondary striker who plays best in the gap. So absolutely love Ronaldinho on your list. Uh, also, let's not forget, revolutionized Nike soccer uh, cleats to what they that are now. Absolutely as well. They, a true a game changer, if you will. That's how we'll describe him. So next we're going to head to the diamond, and we're going to go to baseball and this is one that one another one that I know a lot of people listening probably never heard of. They're like, who the heck is that? I'm going with Eric Chavez, the old third baseman for the Oakland A's when he was at his absolute best. When I was younger, I lived in California. The first sporting event I ever saw in person was an Oakland A's game. I cannot remember who they were playing. I'm pretty sure it was the Giants, honestly, no, but just probably. because that makes sense. But I just remember watching him. And when it comes to baseball, obviously hitting chicks, dig the long ball, everything like that. Like it's batting's the main thing. But I always loved watching fielders. Infielders, outfielders, I just love watching how they fielded the ball. And Eric Chavez as a third baseman was as good as it gets that I can that I've seen. Maybe not quite Derek Jeter at shortstop, but as a third baseman, he was absolutely incredible. Six-time gold glove winner, silver slugger award, 900 RBIs, close to a thousand, played 14 years, 260 home runs, a Hall of Fame player, almost certainly. Maybe not the flashiest, and it was the A's, and this is before the A's. We currently know them. These A's were actually pretty good. Yep. So this is the Moneyball A's, ladies and gentlemen. Eric Chavez is in Moneyball, for fun, fa- fun fact for everybody. Exactly. And honestly, if in- injuries kind of derailed him a little bit in the back half of his career. I mean, after 2007, he only played over 100 games one time, and that was with the Yankees, of course. So that kind of it's a little bit of a sting to it. But yeah. those early years of, in his early career, he was absolutely incredible. Fielding the ball, an incredible hitter. Not necessarily a power hitter by any means, as we talked about. Not a, not a high selection of home runs. His highest in a season was like 34. But his ability to just knock back over 100 RBIs several times, he balls bases on balls or walks. He actually led the league with 95 in one year too. Like, just an incredible all-around player. Even if he wasn't the flashiest, playing the errors with Barry Bonds towards the back end of Mark McGuire, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, all those guys. He was a slow, steady force. I also enjoyed watching. And I always have a soft spot for guys who play the field really well, especially the infield, the guys who can do things like that, like what he was able to do. Yeah, look, he also made the transition to first base there late in his career um, after the injuries, which is even more impressive to go spend your whole career playing third and switch over to first. I mean, I, I know I played them both in uh, you know high school and, and above that, but it's not easy uh, by any means. And especially when you focus on one for so long like he did, it was just like, yeah, that switch is impressive and, and to do it after all the injuries. Uh, but you're exactly right. I think Eric Chavez was playing today. We're talking about a guy that would be in the same category as Nolan Arenado, in my opinion. Uh, he would be considered the same similar type of player. Uh, and if you guys don't believe me, just go watch the tapes. Eric Chavez is one of the more fantastic defensive third basemen, uh, making plays like Manny Machado was making in Baltimore type plays, like on a regular basis. That running out of running out out of the uh, through the foul line and in foul territory to throw, making the jumping throw back to first, like 
that was a regular occurrence in, in Oakland at that time. There would be fans that would buy nothing but third base tickets just to sit near Eric Chavez, just to hopefully get a, a signature from him at any point in time. Um, so, yeah, a very, very cool number four as well. So, so far, you're two for two. I enjoy your list so far. Well, hopefully it's three for three. And three, I'm going to stick with a, one that more people are probably aware of. I'm going with Dwayne Wade, the Miami Heat superstar, the, the leader of Wade County, three-time NBA champion, thousand-time All-Star. Great. Usually widely considered the third best shooting guard we've ever seen. Incredible athleticism, the way he took over games. When I first got into him was when I first became a fan was probably it was the year before they won the title. It was, I think, 2005, I believe the year was when they lost to the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals. The one thing that was stuck about him is the way, is the way he glided through the air, the way he was just able to slither his way through the defense, his acrobatic finishes, but also the way he used the glass. It was very Tim Duncan-esque, but from a guard. Early in his career, he was. they remember asking him about it. He said, yeah, my coach told me to do something different that works, and that's kind of how he turned into the bank shot coming off, coming off of the post when he posts up smaller guards or he'd get a little space in the mid-range and pull it up off the glass. We his finals against Dallas, incredible. One of the best one, especially at the time, one of the best ones we'd ever seen. And even to this day, one of the better ones. Obviously, nowadays points are in a lot more abundance. When you look at he had multiple double digit rebound games, five steals in a game. Say what you want about the free throws. When you attack every single play like he does, you're gonna get foul calls. Some of them questionable. Happens all the time. But he was just always so electric. And if his knees didn't betray him so viciously around early in his career to where he's basically 85% of his at best most of his career. I think we're looking at him as a top 15 to 20 player. I think if he could have just stayed healthy and then obviously we could talk about what he did when LeBron came through to taking the step back. Like, look, lead the way. I'm just going to be the best sidekick one can ever ask for. And if things get tight, I'm going to drop 40 on the Pacers when we're down two to one in the, and Chris Bosch is out for the series. So I was just a big fan. And then off court too, fantastic to every, you can all the stuff about Dwayne Wade off the court too, absolutely fantastic as well. So Dwayne Wade, I got to take it up number three, who I really got me into basketball. It was the first pair of like play NBA player shoes at Rondo's when he was with Converse too. So I remember getting all white ones for that. So we're going to take Dwayne Wade at number three. And finally, someone that I think more people on the, that are watching will know. Uh, yeah, love Dwayne Wade. <laughs> um, no doubt about it. Love his wife, Gabrielle Union. Um, shout out to the man. Uh, I don't know how you pulled that one off, but um, hey, you know, it's uh, – there's some clovers in the atmosphere, you know, all that good stuff. Someone who's out kicked their coverage. It's, it, I, I can see it. It's sometimes it works out that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, I got to say, look, Dwayne Wade is absolutely fantastic. You mentioned potentially top 15, 20, if he'd stayed healthy. Uh, here's my question to you. You have somebody that needs to close out the game. You have one shot to make, to, 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 to win the game. You're only down by one LeBron or Chris or, or uh, Dwayne Wade in the final seconds. Taking Dwayne Wade. I mean, at, when you look at it throughout his career, who's been a lot more clutch than he has the shot against the bulls after getting a steal at half court, the free throws with one second left in those finals games when you need to make two of them to win. That's not even a shot at LeBron. It's like Wade was known for fourth quarter and clutchness. That was his thing. Like he would, he'd have eight points through three quarters and give you 14 or 15 in the fourth quarter to, to get the win. So that's not a shot at LeBron at all. Wade was known as a clutch player. That was his thing. So I'm going to take Dwayne Wade, multiple game winning shots, Standing on the table, this is my house. After pulling up for that running three, I think that was the same one against the Bulls too. Yeah, clutch shots are his thing. That's the it's. Hey, yeah. Let's not forget his clutch shot in retirement. Like going into retirement, he hits a clutch shot to end the season, and you're just like, really, Dwayne? You couldn't just <laughs> go into the season. You couldn't go into your retirement quietly. Now we have to all wonder if maybe you stick around for a little bit longer. No, it was. <laughs> I absolutely love Dwayne Wade. So yeah, three for three so far. But uh, noticing a little bit of a trend in your last two of uh, guys shortened by injury here. Unfortunately, that is the case. But the next one, the career was not shortened by injury. It was, and it actually, weirdly enough, wasn't ended by injury. I'm going to go into the octagon, and I'm going with Anderson Silva. We talked about Ronaldinho was a magician. This man was the Matrix. That's that's the only way to describe it. He he defied all the rules, he, and he made so many people look silly. He entered the UFC at 32 years old and went on, I think it was 31, actually, excuse me. He was absolutely incredible. He made grown men, professional fighters look foolish. They couldn't touch him. His hands would be at his knees and he'd still be making them miss. What he pulled off was nothing short of, I know I've used wizard already, so I'm not going to try and pull, use that one again, but he was magical in there. He was, he did things that made no, no sense. He was a weird combination of Muhammad Ali and Roy Jones Jr. from boxing, but in an MMA situation, he could do things that no one was thought was possible. He went up a weight class and was toasting people. He went up and down, however, as needed. It was always 
even in his worst fights, it was a spectacle. You couldn't watch it without being on the edge of your seat. Obviously, as he got older, things wore down. There's the, the injury to his leg when that snapped in half. Then continuing the fight till he's almost 50 now. Like if you remember him back in his heyday, though, he he's really the reason I kind of got into that sport. Just watching that he turned a violent, brutal, pugilistic human cockfighting, as it was called. He turned it into art. That's really what it felt like. It looked like felt like we were watching art in motion. So we're gonna take Anderson Silva as a close number two, who, by the way, too, hasn't technically fully retired yet, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's still entertaining the idea of boxing matches. So still hanging around, even though he's 50. Hey, yeah, yeah. You, you never know when somebody's going to come back. We did see George Foreman make a comeback at what, 55, 54, something like that. I mean, Anderson Silva at 50 seems a little bit better bet to win a uh, win a boxing match nowadays than uh, George Foreman at 55. You know, he is definitely something special as well. A Hall of Famer, well-deserved, absolutely incredible. The best part was, too, his voice does not match what you see. When you look at him just walking around, it's like, oh, that's a slightly taller dude, but he's pretty normal built. Then you see him in the – you hear him talk. He has a really high-pitched voice. Then out of nowhere, he straps on the gloves and throws on the fight shorts. It's like, oh my God, we have found it. We have found an alien to use the meme that's going around Twitter. That mother effer ain't real. That's pretty much what it looked like whenever he was in the in the cage. No, yeah, that was, that's a perfect description of Anderson Silva, in my opinion. All right, so taking it off at number one, not a whole lot of surprises here. This is one that everybody knows one way or the other. He's killing it in his second career, just like he did in his first career, and like he's been doing since he was a, since he was a young and. We're going with Peyton Manning, number one, the sheriff himself, the, the five head, the four head, whatever you want to call him. Revolutionized the way quarterback was played. I know he had played in the Tom Brady era, and Tom Brady's going to have the goat accolades and all of that. But Peyton Manning was that first one who was really taking over games at the line. He was the one who was mastering pregame study. The accuracy, the arm strength that when he was younger, even though it wasn't Josh Allen's arm, still had the ability to make every throw. He, he What we're seeing today is a product of Peyton Manning. What we saw Tom Brady become is a product of what Peyton Manning and the Colts were doing. Went into a team that was 3-13, and 13, absolutely abysmal, terrible, had a miserable rookie season, threw a bunch of picks, threw a good amount of touchdowns. I think he had the record for a little bit for touchdowns and still has it for picks. And the way his story is just so great. I know he's the number one overall pick. He's been a prodigy since he was a kid. But then he gets the NFL, and it's immediately like, no. You, you, you stop here. Now you're dealing with grown men. Then you see the trajectory of his career like, starting to get a little closer you get to the playoffs you get toasted you get to the playoffs you lose close you get to the playoffs you win then you get toasted and then having to just go through the patriots go through all that they went through to finally host that super to hoist that super bowl trophy in miami in the rain nonetheless who never rains on super bowl sunday he gets there it rains on super bowl sunday and so obviously all the records he still has the passing touchdowns and passing yards in a season mark even though we're at 17 games now when the ball's thrown 70 percent of the time no one has still really even come close to breaking that record. He still holds that one comfortably. Not even, not even, hasn't even really been debatedly close. And he did that in 2013. It's been a decade. And he did it after a major neck surgery. So on and on, we could go on and on about Peyton Manning's accolades. It's, I, we don't have enough episode left. We have plenty of time, but not going to go down it. But watching Peyton Manning play was truly like watching. I've said art and I said magician. I'm running out of superlatives here, but it was really like watching a scientist at work too. It felt like watching a doctor perform surgery with all the blood, without all the bloods and Gray's anatomy and that sort of thing with it. It was, he was an, there were, how many people do you know that are not Colts fans or Broncos fans that have a Peyton Manning Jersey or just a Peyton Manning fan? It seems like just about everybody besides the, the random outliers. Like I hate Peyton Manning, but most people always seem to love him. Uh, there's basically the only ones I've ever seen that really hate Peyton are Tom Brady diehards who refuse to say Tom Brady is anything but Tom Brady um, and Joe Montana uh, diehards, like the old school Joe Montana 49ers diehards. Uh, also, I'd say probably Titans fans are the only other ones I don't I don't think own a Peyton Manning jersey. Um, but yeah, I think everybody else pretty much is in and, and Saints fans. I don't think Saints Saints fans own a Peyton Manning jersey either, anymore. Either. Oh, they, they have an Archie Manning one, so they might like Peyton. Yeah. And then you know they got that Super Bowl for them. So, but yeah, no, so I I mean to your point, yeah, I absolutely think Peyton is a one of the most most fantastic athletes to ever play the game of uh, football, but one of the best quarterbacks, one of the greatest minds to ever play, especially at that position. Um, and then you know, take all of that, and then you look at it, and you're like, wow, now he's an announcer slash comedian on TV. And he's equally as good. It doesn't make sense. What the heck Peyton? Are you just a row? At this point, I'm starting to think his forehead is just an extended robotic mind. That's really all it is. He got smarter and his brain got, it actually followed the laws of physics as his brain got bigger and he got smarter. His head got bigger with it. 
mentioned he's a comedian. Whenever he does eat, everything he does wants to do is funny. Omaha Productions is now putting together incredible, incredible different pieces of media to the new Netflix series called Quarterback and the podcast they're doing. He's he's he is his own entity in itself as well, too. He's done an incredible job post-career. Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. Just absolutely wonderful. His, his biggest gripe is he unfortunately had to play in the Tom Brady era, which and the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick era on top of it. And then his yeah. neck got snapped in half. Like there's only so much, even though he had an MVP and a super and a Super Bowl after that. You only had four years after that neck injury, like, and that was even stretching it. So, his yeah. neck doesn't get snapped. Let's be honest, it was three. It was three good year, two good years, and a third like all right year, and then fourth like mm, it's retirement time. Like two and a half. Then you saw the arm strength start to dwindle, and then it was that. Then it was that last year where it's like, okay, this, this ain't it no more. It's not the same. Yeah. But absolute girl, and still, my opinion, the best regular season quarterback we've ever seen. I know some people, Aaron Rodgers, is not far behind, but five MVPs, all the records, basically. The, had all of the records when he retired as far as like passing yards. And I think he had, I don't think he had passing touchdowns due to the longevity, but single season records. He broke that one twice. He broke it. It got broke Then he broke it again with some more oomph and authority. And they still stand to this day, 10 years later in a league where they throw 70% of the time. And they encourage that basically. So for me, yeah. Peyton Manning's going to hold that number one spot still probably for a long time. It's going to, we'll see. We'll see, but let's go ahead and just going to recap my top five list really quick, quick. Top five favorite athletes. Number five, Ronaldinho Guacho from the Brazil soccer team. Number four, Eric Chavez from the Oakland A's. Number three, Dwayne Wade from the Miami Heat. Number two, UFC fighter Anderson Silva. And number one, the Sheriff Peyton Manning, quarterback of the Colts and the Broncos himself and leader of Omaha Productions. And let's not forget head coach of the Broncos and the Colts, um, respectively, at certain times during his career. Head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, G could be GM if they let him a little bit of everything. So abs- th- those are th- those will be our top five favorite athletes of all time. Feel free to jump in the comment section and let us know down below who you guys have as your favorite athletes of all time. Which ones you agree with us? Which ones you don't understand? And honestly, which one of you didn't actually know some of the guys we were talking about? Because I'm really curious how many people had never actually heard of them. But And, you know, I'm sure there's a few. But that is going to do it here for the main event. And that is now going to take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That is, of course, the tip-off. The tip-off, of course, brought to you by Outlier. Go to high low sports backslash or outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Excuse me. Get yourself a free seven day trial and you know, bet smarter, not harder. See if you can win yourself a little bit of money. Link in our description down below. And Kelsey, I want to let you lead the way here in crunch time because we got, we got a little something to take a look at. Yeah. Uh, so uh, NIL is bringing new levels of swag to the game, ladies and gentlemen. And I do say that. And I don't mean it jokingly. Uh, one of the most fantastic. Uh, videos i guess coming out of uh the big 12 media days today uh was from kansas's jalen daniels and i'm just gonna you know what i just i'm just gonna share the video um here it is right here i'm just gonna go max screen here you don't have to see all the rest of this look at this this timepiece right here on his neck it is playing his career highlights not just all the diamonds ignore i mean if you can ignore the bling also, ignore the fact it has BD6 on the uh, and his logo on the on the neck piece before actually going down into the it looks. I'm assuming it's an Apple Watch piece uh, that is playing the highlight videos. But he wore this all day. The battery did not die. He kept playing it throughout his interviews. It was times he was being interviewed by staff and, or by members of the media, and they were trying to, ha- to have a conversation with him, and it was still playing the audio during everything. Such a fantastic little just like, hey, don't forget about me. Because if you guys don't know where Jalen Daniels is, Jalen Daniels is from Kansas. Kansas, ladies and gentlemen. The team that surprised everybody last year finished third in the Big 12, almost had a chance at the Big 12 title game. Uh, but let's not forget, this is Kansas. They're like seven years removed from going 0-12. Like, it's not long, long ago. Charlie Wise here is not far removed. Um, and, you know, here, here he is bringing all the swag, so – for all those hating on the NIL, it allows kids like Jalen Daniels at a school like Kansas to have a little more fun and talk a little more smack, which we all need in our lives. We need some some quality smack talk from these young kids because they need to learn how to do it someday. There's no there's no Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 lobbies anymore to teach you how to talk smack and survive. There's, there's now you got to get NIL money and you got to put swag on your necklace to actually have a chance here. Uh, I, I love this single moment and this is just an example of what NIL has been been doing for these athletes. Obviously, there's a lot of good that comes from this. Um, this is just more of a joking, like, 
quality one. But you know, I I, I love this. I, I absolutely love this moment. This is just so lighthearted, so fun for me uh, to see just another athlete having fun with it. I want to see the price tag on that. I'm really curious now because that chain alone's worth more than my more than a mortgage. It feels like, and that's I, I swear it's, that's it's cubic. That's got to be cubic zirconium. It's not. I don't. There's no way those are real diamonds. Somebody break out the tester. I don't think it's going to go full green. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, but it's an absolute, it's an incredible piece. Nonetheless, it at least looks the part of nothing else. Like nothing, yeah. it looks the part if it, if it isn't actually the part. Absolutely. I, I think, it, but that's what makes it fun. Obviously if he did spend money, I mean, good on him, I guess for being able to afford that probably could have spent it on something smarter, but I digress. Um, hmm. I enjoy the NIL money going, coming through these, these schools. I think it's a, a fun little piece. And yeah, this is just an example of some of the fun things they could do. Obviously, I talked about it last year. You know, how many quarterbacks paid their offensive lineman money uh, to you know to to continue to to protect them or got them nil deals from their nil deals. So a lot of fun coming from the nil this year. You get to see a little more uh, creativity with what they do with their um, sponsorship money. I guess now. Yeah, absolutely as well too. Speaking of sponsorship money, that's going to go and take. I'm going to go and take over now. We're going to go into the octagon and. We had a wild weekend in the UFC and in the fight world altogether. I'm going to go and start with Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury, Kelsey's guy, announcing they will compete in a boxing match later this year. And yeah, Tyson Fury's going to piece him up. I'm sorry. Unless, unless Francis Ngannou just lands a nuclear warhead right away and somehow chins him. I don't see I don't see any way that Tyson Fury doesn't run away with this. He's already fought Deontay Wilder three times and won three times. He's taken those bombs from he's taking those bombs, the arguably the hardest puncher in the world right now. God, I don't know what Francis Ngannou is going to have for him. I mean, even when he sees UFC fights, he he slings those nuclear lunchbox-sized fists that he has until one lands. But Tyson Fury has seen all that, and he's going to be like, "Nope, nope, nope, nope." It's going to be it's going to be real, real simple. So I, it's a fun idea, but Tyson Fury is going to win however he wants to in this one. It, uh, good on Francis Ngannou, get that bag, have fun with that. But Tyson Fury is going to toy with him most likely. I will respectfully apologize a thousand times over if that does not happen. But I don't see a. Good for him. He's getting a bag. He's getting to do his thing. He left the UFC on weird terms, and you know it's kind of going his way right now. So good, good on him. Wish him the best, nonetheless. That's a that's a really fun event to see. Next, we're going to go into UFC 291 that just happened this last weekend. And my goodness, what a banger of a fight card that we had! Pound for pound, goat or not? Pound for pound, uh, number one right now, Alexander Volkanovsky doing what he does, fighting another challenger, making it look easy. You wouldn't believe that five six guy used to weigh 200 plus pounds when he was playing rugby. And now he's fighting at 145-ish, so he continues to absolutely defy logic and just amazes me. I don't understand how he makes 145. His his arms look like legs, and his legs look like tree trunks, and yet he still somehow gets down there. All in a 5'6 body, so it's not like he's lean and able to balance it out, so I don't get it. But, but he's doing what he does best. Brandon Marino defending his title in in the follow-up fight, and what that was probably that was easily fight of the night, too. They, it was the third time they matched up as well, and he continues. Brandon Marino, every time he fights, it feels like he's it feels like he's fighting to make sure nobody steals his Legos at that point as well. But Pantoja, once again, just seems to have his number, getting a close fifth-round split decision. Those two went at it. You can, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fourth fight, even though it's Pantoja's up 3-0 on him, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see it again. That was, that was as close as it gets. The fists were flying. It was nonstop action back and forth. Teddy Atlas had the audacity to compare it to Hagler Hearns, which I would not go that far. But it was <laughs> absolutely an absolute... The little guys can get after. I know everyone wants to hate on small divisions. They want to hate on Brandon Marino because he's smiling, looks like a baby, and plays with Legos. But they get after, and he had that was one heck of a fight. Going down the list, UFC 291 also with four sub 60 second knockouts. Four on on the entire fight card. You have from top to bottom, you have four not four finishes in less than 60 seconds, which is absolutely asinine. It's unheard of. That those are basically four times it was one to five punches and or one to five shots, and the and the fight was over, which is absolutely insane. Which is going to lead me to the main one of those two, Robbie Lawler, the the man, the myth, the legend. He made his UFC debut in 2002. Take a show of hands who was even born by then. I mean, there's probably a handful of people that weren't. Like, I know we were. We're old as dirt, but it absolutely. He's been up and down from getting booted out of the UFC as a to coming back to the UFC, rising up to be champion, defended multiple times. Some of the best fights we've ever seen. With arguably, you can make a case as far as athletes in their swan song maybe as good as anyone's ever had goes in there. Doesn't take any damage less than 60 seconds gets a vintage walk-off knockout, not just a knockout that, or a knockdown TKO, not just a knockout after finishing on the round, a walk-off from a left-hand uppercut that he's so that he's so known for and gets a chance to just 
it's it's as vintage as it gets in the fight game you don't get to go out like that unless you leave too early when you when you leave kind of later in your career like you did it usually ends bad very rarely does it end on good terms he sends it off in a vintage flashback as well so absolute to robbie lawler hall of famer everybody likes him his exact words were i don't need to talk trash i respect my opponent in the cage i respect him out of the cage i'm gonna try and take their head off but the quintessential professional in a very pugilistic sport so a happy retirement to him now we're gonna take a little quick look ahead we're spending a lot of time in the octagon here so we're gonna wrap it up quickly we got the fight of all fights officially announced and booked we got john jones the ufc goat taking on steve miocic the heavyweight goat for what feels like a winner-take-all battle. It feels like a heavyweight. John Jones wins. No one's going to have a stake to that claim for a very long time. Stipe wins. He gets that title back and basically reestablishes himself once again as the heavyweight goat, even though he already has that locked in. So this is going to be an app. This is going to be the a can't-miss fight. I can't wait to see it. Curious to see how John Jones continues to adapt to heavyweight. Curious to see how Stipe is. I don't think he's fought in like 900 days, I think the number was. It's been a very long time. Like, it was... It was like in the it was in mid COVID, like when there were still no fans and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. So it's that's curious wild. what that laugh does. He's also north of 40. So that's something to keep an eye on. And of course, John Jones, it's always interesting to see him walk in there. What is he going to do differently? How is he going to adjust to heavyweight now after having that one fight? Is he is he more acclimated to it? Is he getting older? He has basically said more or less, this is the last fight for him. There's nothing after this. You would have beaten the heavyweight goat, defended the title. So it might be his last fight as well, too. And if that is the case, his career's been riddled with controversy. We can leave it at that. We won't go too deep into that. That's a two separate episodes. That's a mini docu series that we, we're not funded for. But not after yet. his, not yet. Yeah, uh, Dana, if you hear this, uh, we will happily take take all um, bids for a docu series on this. I'm glad to take it. I will glad to help with that. But I want to flashback for one thing that he did in his UFC two fourteen. That's when he knocked out Daniel Cormier. It got overturned, obviously, due to due to a drug test, but. When we look at his post-fight press conference, he said a few things. And if you've been listening the last few weeks, we've been doing a little bit of helpful, helpful words, self-improvement, just positive words to end this as well. And his post-fight speech was one of the better ones he had. And I just want to talk a little bit about one of the things he said. We've been, all been through a lot of stuff. You've disappointed yourself, your family, your friends, your coworkers, disappointed yourself. Just remember, it's never over. As long as you never quit, it is never over. You can always fight back. And keep going as long as you keep fighting that it's never over so despite all the things for john jones as a very powerful quote and something that always sticks to so whether it's sports it's life relationships career whatever it is as long as you don't give up it is as long as you don't quit it is never over and you can keep fighting so if john jones up if this is this potential swan song that's what i'm going to choose to remember for because everything else gets a little bit shaky so i'm going to i'm going to remember what he does in the cage for the most part as well as that quote because that's one that's always stuck with me and it's been Almost 10 years since that moment, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Man, 10 years. I feel like time's flying by. Yeah, Looking pretty a, good for uh, 60 now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, I think it's one of us. But that's going to do it here for us today on the ILO Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all joining us here, whether it was live on live or if you were watching it, listening on one of your favorite podcast apps. We definitely appreciate you joining us. If you haven't yet, go check out Tier Tuesdays on our YouTube page, ranking some baseball teams at All-Star Break. We appreciate you all once again. Couldn't do this without you, and we'll see you all again next week.